Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for uh, your word and how you continue to guide us uh, in this life of grace. Lord, um, bless us by your holy blood and always give to us the comfort knowing full well that you are the true high priest, the one who has, cleanses, who has cleansed us from all of our sins. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So chapter 5, we see right here in the book of Hebrews, as we quickly reviewed it last week, um, as the high priest of old, the Old Testament, the Levitical line from Aaron, uh, we very well know that uh, they had many workings to do, yet the Hebrew author would do what? He would compare the Old Testament high priest to Jesus as the true high priest, And to see that distinction between one who had to sacrifice not only for the sins of the people, but for themselves, right? And Jesus, who, well, does what? Sacrifice for the sins of the people and not for himself because he is God. He is holy without sin, and he is the only one true perfect sacrifice, right? So we see that distinction, and now we see another one. With, um, well, with Melchizedek. Uh, Melchizedek, well, does anyone know who that, we should name our kid Melchizedek, that'd be great. No, we should. Uh, right. um, That's not one of your better ideas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Melchizedek, you know, I know as a teacher, I know Tina and, and Jennifer, teachers, Carrie teacher, who else is the teacher here? Am I missing? You know, it's always... Like, you know, Abe has, you know, his real name is Abraham, but he always goes by Abe because, well, it's only three letters. You know, it's easy to write. Um, But you probably had a kid in class who you helped out writing their name, but they had, like, Samantha, Samantha, Savannah. She only writes Sam now. Michelangelo. Michelangelo. No Michelangelo's. Um, Donatello. Um, Leonardo. Anyone get the reference? Is that just... Yes, Jeff, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, anyways, but uh, um, here we see Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek is interesting because uh, we don't know too much about Melchizedek. Uh, we know in Genesis 14, uh, he, he, uh, he provides, uh, after the defeat, uh, uh, there, um, there he provides uh, bread, uh, I think uh, food, uh, for, for Abraham. Uh, but... We also know that Melchizedek uh, definitely here in Hebrews chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter 7, namely Hebrews 7, that the Bible doesn't tell us anything about his ancestry, uh, that he predates, so he is before the Levitical line. So uh, what we do know about Melchizedek is that he serves right here as a type of Christ, in a sense where when we talk about, well, why don't we just read, sorry, uh, verse, verse 6. Verse 6, so can we read that? And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so um, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, right? So we see right here in your, uh, in your notes, um, Malek or Malek is king, um, and Zedekah, or Zedekah, which is righteousness. So uh, when we talk about 
Melchizedek, that means uh, the king of righteousness. Um, and again, uh, why is it important, or why does the author bring up Melchizedek here in terms of, and you might not have the answer straight off, but in terms of priests, high priests of the Old Testament, and how Melchizedek plays a role. Does anyone have a guess on that before we discuss it? That's tough. Um, why is Melchizedek mentioned here in terms of the priests of the Bible, the Old Testament priests, and the true priest, high priest Jesus Christ? Why do, we, why do you think the author mentions Melchizedek here? He's kind of otherworldly. He's mysterious before, like, no beginning and no end. Jesus is. Good, good, Chris. I mean, good, Chris. Not so. Not, 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 not part of our um, earthly order of things. Yeah. So, so when we, uh, you know, when we look at uh, Genesis 14 as a reference here, this is the first place that Melchizedek is. It's I think it's Gen- Genesis 14, uh, Psalm 110, and Hebrews 5, Hebrews 7. We don't really know too much about Melchizedek, but he came definitely before, known as a priest for Salem or Jerusalem, uh, that. Uh, he was there giving uh, food uh, to Abram. And uh, here we see in Genesis 14, I know if you want to turn to that as I talk, you can. Um, Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now, when we talk about the true high priest, Jesus Christ, we talk about giving. You know, we talked about that in the sermon a little bit this morning about vocation and the life of giving. Um, This is just another nugget here for us as a church is, what? When we talk about giving to the Lord um, and Melchizedek uh, being given a tithe from Abram, a tenth, um, what is so significant about that? This is just a side topic for you guys, but what is so significant about how, how we ought to give to the Lord? Any thoughts on that? Out of joy, very good. I mean, when we took at Abram, he gave out of this natural joy. Now, what is, how do we describe that to someone when it comes to giving? Um, I guess, yes, Marjorie? Well, when you tithe, you, you're giving back to God Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it interesting that the way that this was referred to was that Melchizedek brought bread and wine to Abram, and bread and wine reminded me of the communion. And so it's like he's... It, it's a foretelling. Maybe I'm going out <laughs> well, but yes, bread and wine as in communion, and then giving back, and, and that then... Um, Abram gives back to him. Yeah, so 
So, and that's a good point, I think, a very valid, good point. Um, and in that, when we talk about giving, what, can you, can we force people to give? Not force, like force, but can we, oh, that went deep. Uh, wow, guilt people, can we guilt people into giving? Like, is that how? Yes, you can. Oh, you can? Oh, no. Maybe you should. No, maybe, you know, like the TV shows with the really sad dogs that are chained up in the snow. And they have, yeah, that's... It pulls your heart, some of the... But... It should pull your heart. Yeah, it should. Or you see people that the charity to give to, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, a whole other story. Um, no, I love those YouTube clips of animals, like cats and dogs being best friends. It's just... It's just a great pick. Anyways, I do. Uh, yes, down the rabbit hole and back. But um, giving, you know, as, as uh, Don said, this is of great joy uh, uh, through the gospel. Not a guilt. But, and that's the thing, you know, when we talk about the natural, what Abram was given, uh, he gave back 10%, not out of legalism or have to, but simply out of the natural joy that, that, uh, of what, um, uh, to Melchizedek, uh, to the high priest, and ultimately, when we talk about the Lord of Righteousness, uh, unto God himself, right? And when we talk about natural giving, this is all by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Right? We can't, you know, God doesn't want your guilty offering, right? God, God wants a cheerful giver, a, a joyful giver. And that joy comes from, uh, always is rooted in, the joy that is of Christ. So when we talk about the gospel and what he has done for us, uh, of course, it opens up the door to this whole life of redemption, the forgiveness of sins, knowing that, that Tina is a child of God and, and Jeff is a child of God, all by the blood of Christ and, and what he has done for us, that we live in his time and place and in his provisions abundantly as we live this life. And, and this is what we look at Abram as he gives back with great joy. Now, Melchizedek, going back to it, just a little nugget there about giving. Um, but here we see in, uh, in our notes, Hebrews 7, um, and I quoted Hebrews 7 for you, he is without a father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. That's Hebrews 7. So clearly, what we talk about uh, the order of Melchizedek, we're talking about something, uh, this theme of forever. The Lord of righteousness is forever. That the true high priest ultimately is Christ, the Lord of righteousness, who is forever, right? So what Jesus has done upon that very cross as a true high priest, like right now, we live forever in his name. Do you guys understand that, that Eternally, right now, we live. Like, I know we look forward to that day when we will be in the Lord's paradise, and, and we don't see that complete fulfillment as we live in this flesh. But what we do know is that we live eternally right now. And how does that change everything about your life? Does it change your life? Yes? <laughs> yes? Yes? Very good. <laughs> uh, uh, because this is, this is the life that the true high priest gives. So again, you know, when we talk about forever, the order of Melchizedek, uh, and we look at Hebrews 7, that key phrase right there in the wording, 
but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. A type of Christ Melchizedek is, and that type is of eternity. And that is your life as well. Um, Damn, that's... You know, when I think eternity, and I think of the joy of the gospel... um, how does, and this is such a broad question, but how does that shape everything about who we are? Eternal life, assurance, how does that shape who we are? In everyday doings, how does that shape? Um, peace. Peace? Good. How does that shape your vocation in a sense of your family, your, the people that you brush shoulders with? Or in this day and age, you probably knuckle bump or invisible high five. Uh, but uh, uh, what does that mean? I mean, how does that change everything about your life as a Christian? I mean, Chris playing, playing the piano in the morning. And I know if you've seen her other stuff, oh, man, she has like 10 hands on that piano at one time. All her classical stuff, I heard some. Linda showed me some. And I'm like... Anyways, but, but how, how... What we talk about our vocation, what we talk about the reality that we live forever, does that, does that change how we proceed in this life? Or are we like everyone else in this world? No, I mean, don't want to bring up Elliot, but uh, uh, that's his favorite time of the week when Chris comes over to teach him piano and uh, he shoos my wife out of the room, wants his time with Chris because opens the door for her, waits for her at the door, the full, like, like, <laughs> sorry, now she's turning red. See, I knew I could do it. I could do it, right? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but no, I think when we talk about vocation, when we talk about what we're called to do in this present life of knowing that the high priest, true high priest, by his very blood has given us life eternal, it does change how we do our vocation. Like if you're a teacher, you see children, and you say, this is who God has placed in my life to love and serve, rather than just a human being saying what? This is my job. Let's get through the day. Let's get over it because I, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, what's the word? Uh, it's joyous. It's fulfilling. Uh, but yet there are challenges, right? And, you know, in every part of our vocation, uh, we know the challenges of, our, of what God has called us to do. But yet is what God has called us to do as we live in this reality that we are eternal 
by the blood of Christ and what he has done for us in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is our righteousness. Yes? I was just going to say um, two things. The first one was that I think one of the unique things about our congregation or this church and the ministers that we had is this idea of vocation because, as you may remember, I've been several different churches over throughout my life. And this is really the first one where that whole concept of vocation as being life-encompassing, that it's not just your job, that it vocation can be your position as a wife, as a mother, you know, all of those are vocations. And that's not something that you hear about in today's life. And certainly not in the outside world, but also in many churches. And the other thing I was going to mention is that when you were asking about how does this idea of eternal life affect us, it always makes me think of a poem about a Persian king and on his signet ring was this thing that said, even this shall pass away. So as you go through things through life, you can say, even this shall pass away. I may be going through the valley right now, but the 23rd Psalm talks about through the valley, not that you're going to get stuck in the valley. You, you walk through it so you know that you're coming out the other side. And we know what we have to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, going back to vocation, I think as a, I think especially in the Lutheran Church, just in general, vocation is seen as we are little masks of God. So I think a lot of times vocation is seen as like you have to do this, Jennifer. You, you got to do it. You know, you you got to do all the work. You got to do all this. You got to do all this. You got to do all this. But in fact, Lutheran in terms of vocation is how Christ, through us, leads us by the Word. That's a very different than a legalistic, like, you got to do this to perfect yourself or else, right? But rather, because of who we are as children of God, redeemed by Christ himself, there, uh, Luis would turn every bolt, uh, or he's a, he's a type of Sheldon because he's a mechanic too. So <laughs> that's why I say turn of every bolt. Or, or, you know, every time you're turning the bolt, or Tom in, in the, in the, um, in the uh, Port Wainimi, you know, just... I know he does uh, <laughs> yeah, metal work, or he deals with big things. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, he is doing that every, by the hand of God, right? And he knows that, right? Now, do we have those moments where we're like, oh, man, I got to get up this morning. I'm tired. Is it only Monday? Right? <laughs> right? Uh, but there we go back to who we are and say, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Um, significantly, my Monday is my day off, so I'm, <laughs> I tell my kids, like, yes, it's Monday! And the kids are like, well, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> but it's not, it's not like, you know what, you know, as parents, you know, on Monday, we're still catching up to what we didn't do, so we're, we're not just sitting there. Anyways, but uh, <laughs> I always tell my kids that. Um, well, Pastor, there's yes. so much to say about vocation. We, we choose, some of our vocation we choose, right? And some we have not. And we can't change some of those vocations, mm-hmm. being a daughter, being a sister, sure. brother. Um, and yet, and sometimes that might be really hard. <laughs> sometimes it's hard with, with those people. And, with those people. <laughs> 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 um, 
Jeff, edit, edit, Jeff. We right. know as Christians that God has this. This is our vocation, right? For a reason, and so through Christ, we we do things with love, or we move forward, and we pray for guidance, and so it, it changes every aspect of your life, not just your job vocation, but your life, you know, all those different parts of vocation. Um, whether it's a, a challenging student at school or a challenging situation at school, um, we ask God for guidance and for, for love to help us get through this and, and to, to do what his will is. Um, I don't know, there's some... Yeah, and you know... So, so I think, and that's a key, I think, when we talk about uh, vocation, it's not faith plus works equals salvation, right? If it was faith plus works equals salvation, then um, our, our vocation would be seen in a, dif- a different way of a have to, right? That this is just bearing fruit in a sense of how God is leading us. I know we're getting on a tangent here, but, but I think, you know, again, teaching our children, as I said in the sermon this morning, you know, I know I had the kids go out uh, yesterday, uh, and we went to the store to um, to help out. But I had them do it because I want them to remember, like, this is what you know. What we talk about, what we have, you know, they get allowance, so it's for these <laughs> it's for these great opportunities to give. But it's to show them that um, you know that this this life is all about what God has given to us, and it takes teaching, of course. You know, it, it's. I think when we hear the gospel time and time again, uh, there it does shape us. Uh, I think even for like college kids like Keegan, you know, uh, as he's in the Word, um, to see him uh, see his career um, in a different way than just how much how much money can I make or how much how what kind of house do I have? Like just not centered on the material, but rather how will God use me in my talents? Because you know, not everyone can be teachers. Uh, that's a talent. Like, Jeff, we, can, we can't do what Jeff does with his computer app stuff. I mean, he tells me how to, like, download something on the computer. I'm like, oh, please, don't tell me to download anything because I don't know how to do it. Uh, but he thinks it's so easy because that's how he systemed. Uh, and teachers are like, oh, yeah, it's easy. Just teach the kids. No big deal. And us, we're like, uh, how do we do that? <laughs> Um, and again, you know, we're all, we're all made in so many different ways. God leads us again in this eternal existence of the forgiveness of sins and life eternal um, in his household by his grace. And there we proceed in assurance. And that's what we learn here as we get back to this um, in the order of Melchizedek, that uh, we have that assurance knowing full well that right now we are children of God. We're not trying to get there. 
were there. And out of great joy, of course, we see every opportunity to love and serve, right? And um, yeah, all the opportunities we have, what a great opportunity to, to be of joy. It, it like reminds us of our own joy, of what God has given, but how we use that uh, gracious, bountiful blessing for those that are in need. And what a great, just a reminder of, of how God works uh, through everything. Uh, but anyways, um, verse 7, and someone could read that real quick. Verse 7. Anyone? During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. All right, so in the days of his flesh, what, do, what does that tell you? You know, the high priests in the Old Testament were of the flesh, right? Um, but what does that tell you about Jesus? As a true hype, what what's the difference about his flesh? I mean, is, was he just like anyone in the um, in the Levitical line? What's about his flesh? What does that indicate? And this is a pretty not too deep. Don't think too deeply. Just he's perfect. Okay. Uh, in one sense, he was like all the other priests. He was human, and that's that's part of the. Yes. Yes. So he, how does he sympathize uh, with our weaknesses? By taking upon the flesh. My favorite taco, carne asada, incarnation. You know, I, I don't know who gave me that uh, taco ornament. I'm trying to still figure that out. But I love that taco ornament. Anyways, uh, uh, literally the enfleshment. Carne, flesh, right? The enfleshment of our Lord to us. Now, sympathize with our weakness. We talk about uh, the Old Testament high priests earlier in chapter 5. They sympathize with our weakness, but they were with sin, right, as well. And therefore, the high priests in the Old Testament would have to sacrifice for the people, but also the congregation of Israel, but also for themselves. Now, what is it about the flesh? They did this job right? All by the call of God in this Levitical line. But what is the difference with Jesus in the enfleshment? He did sympathize. Sinless. But what is that sympathy, really? When we talk about the flesh, coming into the flesh as God to man, what is that ultimate source of sympathy? Like, I haven't done this one before, so I can't, anyways, <laughs> I can't do the sounds like on, but it's, it's, because it's mercy, but I can't go, mm, mm, mm. but it's, it's mercy. Now, when we talk about God's mercy, now think about the incarnation, God in fleshing to us, you know, in this season of Advent, uh, the word made flesh. What does, I mean, how much does God sympathize for you? That he would send his son to this world, not just to be of the flesh, but to die. I mean, just dwell upon that forever. 
And that won't even be enough <laughs> to, <laughs> to dwell upon the depth of God's mercy for our sins. Like, like we can, I can sympathize for Jeff. I mean, hypothetically. I mean, I'm not talking about any certain issue here. <laughs> but I can sympathize for Jeff, but can I sympathize him, for him like Christ did for him? No, because what's Christ's greatest answer um, in his sympathy is to go to the, the cross. As the true high priest in the flesh, again, another thing about the flesh is what? The Passover lamb was what? In the Old Testament, an animal. Flesh. Sacrifice. Flesh, all atoning, is Christ. From the, behold the Passover lamb who takes away, the, or behold the lamb who takes away the sin of the world, as St. John the Baptist would say in John one twenty nine, we also know that Jesus is that all-atoning sacrifice as he took upon the flesh. The greatest sympathy he has for you is to shed his life for you because we can't do this ourselves as the sinless one. So when we talk about sympathy, even in his sinlessness, what, is that, what does that entail about the Lord's sympathy for you all his life? What was it for? Living sinless for you all his life was for us, right? Um, yeah. So when we talk about in the flesh as true high priest, very big difference from the Old Testament high priest in a sense where they were, uh, it was a looking forward to of what is to come in the Christ who is the true and the most truest sympathizer in a sense where he stood in our place stood in our death to die the big death, all by his mercy, he lived obedient, right? Obedient to the Father's will. And he fulfilled the law for you. And there he went to the cross to die for them all, right? So this in the flesh is very important because, well, it shows you how much God loves you. And not only that, but how he has... That's a good one. Right, conquer. <laughs> I was going to say stamp. But conquered or sealed your fate and under his blood. He's crushed sin. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Good. good. Crushed. Conquered. Um, and and that's, that's our ultimate sympathizer, right? High priest couldn't do that in the Old Testament, only Christ. And that's why our faith is only Christ, right? Oh, we just did in the days of the flesh. All right. Jesus offered up. Oh, yeah. Humiliation is another part of that. If you look at your notes, uh, Jesus in his suffering, humility, taking on the pl- flesh is humility itself. Just, just imagine, and we're not God here, but God going to the flesh, lowly flesh. I mean, just dwell upon that. That's how much God loves you, that he would take upon us like this, this, <laughs> this. And even in his life, everyone hated, I mean, he was betrayed. Everyone was plotting against him. You know, the Pharisees just kind of trying to get his strategy. The devil, everyone just against him. I mean, you would think that when Jesus came into the world, uh, everyone would be like, great, he's with us, right? But no, he even faced great opposition. So even in that, we're talking about sympathizer. He still went to that cross willingly. Remember? Uh, though he was betrayed, he went willingly for each and every one of us. Um, yes? Even, even the people that accepted him, and like the Palm Sunday, uh, he, didn't, he wasn't tempted 
go that route. Like he wouldn't take the shortcut away from dying. Because the cross is, I can't even describe how pain, well, how painful. Eli, 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 right? That's right. Um, so yeah, so when we talk about um, the sympathy of Christ for us, so we wake up every morning and thank the Lord for all that we have because it is all rooted in the one who has mercy on us, and that is Christ Jesus alone. So in the day of the flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Now, what is up with this reverence? What does that mean? Like, we are reverent to God, right? We revere him, his name. Um, But what about his reverence? How is that different than, let's say, the high priest's reverence? Is there a difference? Well, the NIV says reverence to the bishop. Okay. Um, Good. You know, as, as an in-fleshed All right. human at that point, um, he, he is in submission to God's will. But he is also, um, I wouldn't would necessarily say trusting, but he is going to do, he is submitting to what God has planned for him. He knows, he knows what it's going to be, he's going to do it anyway. So, so the Old Testament high priest, they knew their call, right? But yet, were they, were they perfect people? No. Did they submit to the will of God perfectly? Because they were born into... Sin. Oh, we're doing this fill-in-the-blink thing. It's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, but, but what is it about the Lord's submission? What does he say in the book of John? He says, I and the Father are... One, one right? Uh, and when we talk about I and the Father are one, that is reverence. That is that, is that complete, perfect submission. You know, Nancy could hypothetically say, I submit my life to the Lord, right? Until I walk out that door. <laughs> All right, that's a fill in the blank, too. That's right. That's right. So, uh, so I can say something sure. and then step into my everyday life and, and see ourselves. Exactly. I definitely know what that means, right? You're right. Uh, but when we talk about perfect submission, Jesus, perfect submission. And how is that? How does that impact you? It gives you the comfort that your sins, his sacrifice upon the cross, was, yeah, was enough, uh, sufficient. And you are, you, your sins are finished, and you are a child of God. That is what his eyes were on, each and every one of you, in his submission to God. You know, what does he say in Gethsemane? He says, uh, let this cup of wrath pass over me, but if it is your will, let it be done. And that's a mission, and it was done. He says, come, let us rise, let us go. The hour is at hand. Jesus said it. It wasn't like, oh, you caught me. No, he, he says, it's time to go. It's time to go to the cross. And uh, again, this is a, a picture of God's love for each and every one of you. From that time of Gethsemane in this present moment, we definitely have that great assurance that This is who our true high priest is.
and it has been done. And we are children of God right now, all by the blessed redemption for us. So remember that, reverence, right? Um, Jesus. Everything's Jesus. Everything. Todos. Todas. I've got to get the article right. Todas las cosas, right? Everything is, uh, is Christ. Verse 8. If anyone could read that for me. Verse 8. Okay, one more, because it's in like, actually two more. And once was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obeyed him, and was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so, so he, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Now, when we talk about obedience, um, I think I talked about it here. Yes, uh, what, is, what is active obedience versus passive obedience? Obedience. What do you think the difference is with active obedience and passive? So active is like doing, right? It's like being proactive, doing and fulfilling the law. Passive is literally taking upon passive. What does passive mean? Literally a receiver, right? You're, you're passively receiving. So Jesus is receiving or he is passively being given our sins to bear upon that very cross. So we're talking about obedience. Um, Our Lord, he was actively obedient. He did not sin. He, we see it in the 40 days and 40 nights, right? By the word of God, he crushed. He he gave a sneak preview of what was to come on the cross. He said, nope, devil, you're not going to have your day. The word of God, I am the word of God, right? Uh, As Jesus Christ is. Um, And in that, he would passively on that very cross take upon the weight of our sin and die for them all. And this is the obedience that Jesus, well, it was all for you. And again, when we talk about obedience, just as we walk out the door, um, that's another Nancyism. walk out the door. All right. Um, uh, did I just coin a Nancyism? Anyways, uh, but, uh, you know, when we walk out the door, um, you know, I can, I can try to my best. And this is what we strive to do, right? Uh, to, 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 to love God, love our neighbor, right? Uh, but yet, can we be perfectly obedient like Christ? Um, no, right? Um, do we still have sin? We still deal with it daily, moment, momently, um, <laughs> every secondly, right? Um, and, and there uh, we see the obedience of Christ. As he did all that for me. Like right now, my life is shaped by all of his work. And every day I wake up, I know that God is with me, that I'm not alone, separated from God, wondering if I'm there. But you are redeemed by the blood of Christ. I, this is the gospel for you. What a great comfort that is daily. And how that translates, again, as we talked about vocation earlier, to how we proceed in the joy of Christ. Now, is it easy at times? Trust me. No, it isn't. There are moments where we're struggling and overwhelmed and tired and weary of course, there we repent, there we confess, there we rejoice in the, the resting of Christ and what he has given to us, and there we proceed in the gospel. And, and daily we go back to it, out the door, go back to Christ, the true door. I am the door. Good connection there. So, anyways, we, we, one last comment before we close. Yeah. There was a question. Maybe you want to address it next week. Um, I'm just a little confused because when it says he learned obedience from what he suffered, 
he was Christ. He was God. So in a way, I the word learn kind of bothers me because he already knew what he was going to suffer. I, this almost sounds like th this should be addressed to us, that we learn obedience through what he suffered. And I'm just, I just wonder what it was in the original Greek. Sorry. Um, so suffering, when we talk about Jesus, uh, what, what does it, anyone have an answer for that in two minutes before we close for, for Marjorie? This suffering goes back to the 40 days in the, uh, in the desert with the temptations. I'm not sure it has to do with the, the cross itself. It's the word learn that I was kind of stumbling over. Well, he learned or experienced. He experienced, experienced it as, as a true, as, as a human flesh. So he experienced it, he learned it as we feel it, or as we suffer it, or as we experience it. Yeah, so, so when we talk about the suffering of Christ, it wasn't like it was... <laughs> it wasn't like going on a ride at Six Flags, Jeff, right? Like, oh, I can't do that anymore. I get dizzy. But, any, but, but it was like, no. It, it, I mean, we, we saw the agony of what was to come. I mean, even before the cross at Gethsemane, he was, I mean, this was, this was like, what's the word? This wasn't easy in a sense of Jesus saying, okay, let's go. You know, there is that agony of sweating droplets like blood and knowing what was to come. So on that very cross, uh, I guess it definitely does magnify the, the pain and suffering that he went through in those moments of the cross uh, to know that even then uh, he was still obedient is, I think, the, the key there, Marjorie. I, I think uh, 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 Carrie uh, about experience is very kind of a... a a good, a good way to see it as well. But anyways, uh, we'll talk about that more next time. We ended on that. So nine and following next time, which will be in two weeks. Two weeks. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for your word. Lord, as a true high priest, you sympathize with us, with our entire life, as you stood in our place and died the death for us. Lord, we thank you, O oh Lord, for being our true high priest, for cleansing us and granting us as the Lord of righteousness, the righteousness for ourselves. We thank you, O Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.